Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Ormo campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au If you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation and our world. Good morning everyone and happy Father's Day to all the dads. It's uh, wonderful to be here to celebrate with you. Look forward to sharing a sausage after the service. Uh, I'm told there's some sausages from Costco left over from our Thanksgiving Day event. So the first in get sausages that look more like sausage dogs, I think, than uh, they're so big. But uh, I hope you enjoy some time together after the service. And for all those that are visiting with us today, if you're here as a grandparent or a father or a son, uh, we're really glad that you joined with us today. We just finished a uh, series through the book of 1 Peter, and today's a bit of a one-off because it's Father's Day. I want to build on this theme of DIY. Who, uh, who loves a bit of DIY? Hands up, let's be honest, who likes putting together IKEA cabinets? Wow, you guys, you guys are a special group of people. Because I can't think of anything worse. Who does it and always looks and thinks that shouldn't still be lying on the floor because I think I'm done? You have to go back through the 48 pages. We thought about our Father's Day challenge being an IKEA cabinet challenge. We just didn't have enough time to watch a group of dads uh, fumble over some uh, cabinets with Alan Keys. So thanks, Nelson and Dennis. You guys won't be getting a job as decorating my kids' cakes. But... uh, I want to talk about this whole idea of DIY. We live in a DIY culture where uh, we've learned that you know, doing things yourself is not just possible, but actually a little bit of a challenge. And so there's been a whole DIY home renovation, a DIY uh, personal makeovers, the whole idea of do it yourself. I have two very vivid memories of when I first became a father. And uh, they're really odd and really random. The first uh, and this, I'll, I'll give you the detail, not because you care about where it was, but just so you get an idea, because my son Eli is now 20, and uh, so this is a long time ago. But I can remember sitting in my car at a set of lights at the Wishart Village shops. There's a Red Rooster, there's an IGA that I'd just gone and visited because I got the call from Chrissy saying, I think things are moving. So we used to live at Wishart at the time. I was on my way back from the church and I stopped in to get some snacks for myself because someone told me it was going to be a long time. And I remember sitting at the lights and I had this vivid memory of just being overwhelmed by the sense that life was about to change. I was about two minutes from home. I was about to pick Chrissy up. We are going to head into the hospital. I had no idea at that stage that it would be like 25 hours later that life would change. But I still have this memory of driving home from work, knowing that life was about to change. The second really vivid memory I have from when Eli was born was on the first night that he came home. And we had the crib set up in our room. And I can't remember too much else about the room or the house. I can just remember, though, where the crib was next to the bed because at 2.30 in the morning, when he cried for the first time and my sleep was woken, I can still remember waking up and thinking to myself, Oh, this is real. This does happen. I, I didn't, I've read all the stories about getting sleepless nights, but here we go, strap in tight. And here we are 20 years later, I'm still getting woken up in the middle of the night by children. It doesn't end. 
Now, I knew that this was coming, right? I knew that we were about to be parents. I had nine months or so to prepare, but I had no experience. I had no proven record and I had absolutely no training in what it meant to be a father. And yet, overnight, I was instilled a brand new title, which was Dad. I mean, there's other titles that I've earned through life that took a lot more time and effort. Right now, it takes you 100 hours of driving to get a licence. I'm 200 hours down, 300 to go, right, to get all of my kids into cars. But 100 hours of driving on your learners to get given your licence. And then you've still got to pass a test. When I was younger, I was a McDonald's crew member. I went through two interviews because they lost all record of me in the first. (laughs) And then I had weeks of wearing a trainee badge to let everybody know that was about to eat their cheeseburger that some 14-year-old kind of new pimply kid had just made it for them. It took me three years of study and about four years working as an intern at the church before I was given the title of pastor. And even to take the title of husband cost me a lot of wooing and romance in those early days. You know, there's a lot of titles that I've earned through life that took a lot of time and effort. But dad, all of a sudden overnight, I went from being not a dad to holding a human life in my hands. Completely overwhelmed that in those early days, I was with Chrissy, totally responsible for the health and well-being of this child, their food, their nurture, their shelter, their sleep, their safety, their comfort. Actually, their life was utterly dependent on our parenting to survive. And then as our kids have grown, we've gone through different seasons, but still, I realised that, that we are holding precious lives in our hands that we're called to grow and nurture and mature and show what it means to be a good citizen. And for those of us that are here, that are people of faith, show them what it means to follow Jesus. See, I had no training and no experience when I became a dad. That's a story for all of us, isn't it? I still remember the day that Chrissy had gone to work and it was one of the first days I was responsible for taking care of Eli. We needed to go to the shops. And uh, I'd heard that you could get trolleys that had child seats in them. So we went to the shops. I'd never taken notice of the trolley. I just thought the child seat was, you know, that little bit that you push out where you sit your bread and your eggs? There's two holes in there. I thought that was the child seat. Like stick your kid's legs. Eli was probably only nine months, was barely sitting up. Someone's just gone, isn't it? No, no, you can actually get full capsules. I didn't realise this at the time, but he was at the capsule age, but I didn't realise that. I just sat him in put him in that seat and found this little strap that I put around him and started pushing him around. He could hardly hold his head up, right? So I'm just holding him up and I'm pushing around doing the shopping. Now, this is where it's really unfair on the mums, right? Because if a mum does that, you get judged. But when a dad does that, it's cute. Look at that father. Look at the job he's doing. What a wonderful father. Shopping with his kid. Anyway, in the space of about five minutes, Eli wasn't doing so well sitting up and starts bringing up breakfast and bring up dinner all over himself. So by the time I get to the checkout, I'm holding him with one hand because he couldn't sit up and I thought he was, oh, these stupid trolley seats don't work very well, do they? I'd stripped him down to nothing but his nappy because he'd vomited on everything else. 
And I had about seven older ladies just kind of surrounding me and just lavishing love on me as a father. I had no idea what I was doing. And many of us have been there. You see, for some of us, being a dad, being a parent, can feel like a bit of a DIY type experience. We make it up as we go and we hope at the end there's not too many screws that are left on the table. But I don't think God wants us to do it ourselves. The only thing DIY is a great picture of what parenting is meant to look like. So I just want to give us a couple of encouragements this morning and I've themed this around fathers, but this could speak to any of us because the themes are actually relevant to any of us. What does it actually look not to do it yourself? I'll say this, I reckon we've been given the encouragement to do life with others, to do it with others. The Bible makes it very clear from the very beginning, and it's this, this picture of Adam and Eve together, that life wasn't meant to be done alone. God actually creates uh, Adam and Eve and says it's good for them to do life together. And as you read the Scriptures and you read through all of the Scriptures and the letters to the church and the New Testament, it all speaks about the power of community, about who we are together, about how others bring their strengths that actually make up for our weaknesses, how that we're stronger together, how that we're actually able to achieve more together. There's this whole community bent right through the Scriptures that God did not make us and design us and create us to do life alone. You know, as a dad, no one can take that title. There's only one person in this room that Ben Main's rolling around calling dad. But there's others in this room that can be part of the tribe that surround me and my parenting, surround you in your, in your parenting, surround you in your life. They can't take that title, but can actually help you with your kids. And I'm so thankful, part of what we love about being part of the church community, not just that we think it's a good place to be and that it's an important place to be, but... I look around this room and realise that there's lots of people that are speaking into the lives of my kids. One of the greatest gifts to me personally has been in recent years that my kids know, don't see me as the pastor of this church. They think James Bignall's in charge of everything. And I love that. I love that there's mentors and coaches and peers and others that are speaking into the lives of my kids. And no one can take my title as dad but there's others that can help me build the values and the things into the lives of my children that I can't do on my own. If you read the Scriptures, and the Scriptures are written over a long space of time, but culturally there was significant... uh, there was a greater significance placed around the tribe and around the family. You see, parenting and life in the family home in Old Testament times wasn't done on your own. There was always a tribe of people that surrounded you, that helped you do the job. You know, we live in a very individualistic world. Part of the problem of individualism is that you can do it all yourself and if you can't, pull up your socks and do better at the things that you're not so good at. As part of my job over the years and being part of um, team environment, we've done a lot of uh, strengths assessment and assessments that talk to you about what are your gifts and your strengths so that you understand better your leadership and how you can contribute to the team environment. The thing you realise though as you do these assessments that whereas there's always a list of things that are your strengths, it also means there's a list of things that are your weaknesses. 
And over the last 20 years, I've participated in a number of these and I find that my weaknesses are rather consistent. Well, they don't call them weaknesses anymore. That's not really correct. It's actually, you know, your work-ons or your opportunities. They're opportunities. But even in that, we learn something, don't we? That an individualistic culture says, work out what you're not so good at and work harder at getting better at it. But what happens if we all learn just to work harder on the things that we are great at and celebrate those and let those things flourish and lean into others for the things that we don't do so well? Because no one in this room's got every uh, tool in their toolbox. No one here has got all the things they need to succeed in every area of life. And God imagined that. He imagined that with his church when he said, you are the body of Christ. Each individual part's playing to a greater whole. And I'd say that in life, that each of us brings some things that are great strengths, but in other parts we need others to lean in. Don't do it alone. Choose to surround yourself with others and not just any others, but people that add life value Speak into the life, your life, speak into your family's life, the values that you care about. You know, this is a, a scripture that's often used at weddings uh, and, and for obvious reasons, but I don't think it was just intended to speak to the marriage relationship. Ecclesiastes 4 says this, two are better than one. So this theme of community of others in your story has always been part of it because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall... One will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Verse 12, And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. In other words, there's some strength that we find in numbers. So let me give you this as an encouragement. Lean into others' examples. The Bible speaks a lot about wisdom. There's whole books of wisdom literature in the scripture that are actually this notion that others that have walked before you have learnt some lessons that can actually help you succeed. When I marry young couples, one of the things I say to them in my wedding talk is actually look at others and lean into others and let their success actually be a witness to you and let their failure actually help you navigate around some things that you don't have to walk through because someone has before you. So part of... God's idea of community is that others give us wisdom, that others become our example. Let others' success and others' failures help you navigate your own challenges. Secondly, let others' experiences help you normalise yours. I don't know about you, but the days I feel like the greatest failure as a father are the days when I think that nobody else in the world is going through this. Those moments where you think, surely everyone else has kind of got it together. My kids fallen apart. Their kids are sitting down. They're respectful. They know how to use a knife and fork. They don't burp at the end of the meal. They haven't got their knees up at the table. They eat everything put before them. Why do my kids have to be the ones that look at the meal and go, oh, don't like that? Like I haven't trained you to be like that. And suddenly when you start to lament the things that you think you're alone in, When you actually surround yourself with others, you realise that most things in life you're not alone in, that others are walking in it or have walked in it. Even Karen's encouragement this morning, 
when she stepped through some of the stages of life and named some of the things that you might be facing right now. I don't know if there was something in you that when you heard that, there was just a little moment in your spirit that goes, oh good, I'm not alone in that. Others go through that as well. See, part of the power of community and part of the power for us as parents and for those of us here today that are dads is when you share your stories. Suddenly your circumstances don't change, but sometimes the power of them are normalised in your, in your heart and you have greater resilience to face them. When we find ourselves as islands and isolated from others, suddenly things that are normal and natural part of development in your family or challenges you might be facing in your marriage or challenges in your friendship group or your workplace, you can easily create them as huge mountains that nobody else has ever scaled. And then you sit with others that share the time they walk through that very thing and all of a sudden your mountain doesn't seem so high. It's part of God's gift for community that others' experiences can help normalise yours. And finally, others' strength can help us in our areas of weakness. So don't do it yourself. Do it with others. But let me just talk to dads for a moment because I want to encourage you in something. There's things that others can help you with, but we shouldn't outsource everything. In your kids' lives, nobody else carries the title of father but you. And it's a heavy weight to carry at times. No training, no experience. You're learning on the job. You're going to make some mistakes. But we also live in a culture that we allow our busyness to outsource things to others. There's some things for you as a dad that you shouldn't outsource to others. Some days we just got to pull up our socks and take responsibility for the things that God's called us to take responsibility for. So do it with others. Secondly, I want to say this. Do it with grace. Don't do it yourself. Do it with grace. Now that could mean a whole bunch of things today and you could uh, interpret that any way you want. I want to take a bit of a different bent on that because yes, we do all need to show grace to others. Yes, as parents in the room, we do need to show grace to our kids. As friends in the room, we need to show grace to our friends when they let us down or to those that aren't even our friends when they hurt us. But my encouragement today to those of us the dads is this. Be gracious with yourself. Be gracious with yourself. If we had more time, I could tell you about all the things that I haven't done so well as a parent, all the things that I lament and the list of things that if I had another crack at it, I might do a little bit different. I reckon there's a whole bunch of other dads in this room that if they were really honest could do the same thing. But I reckon sometimes we've got to recognise that we take on this incredible responsibility, but we are all novices when we first take it on. So be gracious with yourself. Don't let comparison be the killer of your parenting journey. You see, we do look at others that seemingly have it all together and it's really easy to feel like a failure because we compare ourselves to others. The age of social media hasn't helped as many have said, we compare others' highlight reels to our everyday and suddenly we feel inferior to what's going on for them. But don't let comparison be the killer in the role that God's called you to do. Now, this is a, this is a, a concept that's applicable to any of us, no matter what role God's called us to in life. Those here that are dads, don't let the comparison with others kill who God's called you to be. 
For those of us here that are working in a place where we know that we're meant to be, don't compare yourself to others because it'll rob you of the joy of who God's created you to be and who you've been created to bless others. So don't let comparison be the killer. But secondly, I want to say this, and this is going to be really important for a few dads in the room to hear this today. Don't let past regret rob you of future fruitfulness. Some of us, if we're really honest, probably have made some, not just rookie errors, but some things that if we had our time again, we'd do a whole lot differently. But some of us can live in the regret of the past and allow that be the badge that we carry into the future. But the good news of the, the gospel, the good news of what Jesus does for us is it doesn't matter about our past. He always wipes the slate clean and gives us the chance at a brand new future. And I want to apply that to our relationships today. That we have the chance to not let our past failure and our past regret rob us of our future fruitfulness. If you're a dad here today, I want to say this, you are not the perfect father because there isn't one in an earthly sense. But you can grow and you can own your mistakes and you can make tomorrow different from today. Maybe you look at your story and you think, man, if I had more time again, I'd find more time for my kids. What's it look like tomorrow to actually start living that truth into today's story. Maybe you think, maybe I could have been more gracious, not quite so quick to get angry, not so harsh on them, not so judgmental, not so critical, not so absent. I wish I'd shown my kids more emotion. I wish I'd expressed to my kids more love. I wish I'd been a little bit more gracious. See, if we just allow that to be the badge that we carry into tomorrow, we're going to continue to wear that over our life. But we have the chance. And this is the good news of the gospel, what Jesus does with our lives. He gives us the chance that tomorrow can be very different from today because of His grace. Well, God's grace is sufficient for you in life. It's also sufficient for you in the roles that He's called you to in life. So don't let past regret actually rob you of future fruitfulness. Some of you are here and your kids are all grown up and you think maybe the horse has bolted. Well, what if you choose today to be the person that you wish you were 10 years ago? And I was the absent father, but I'm going to choose from this point on. My kids are all grown up, moved out of home, but I'm going to choose to be the present one. I just want to give you a little hint. It might take a while for your kids to warm up to it. If you've ignored them for 20 years and all of a sudden you start to take an interest, it might take them a little bit of time for them to actually be receptive. Don't throw your toys out of the cot at the first attempt. Choose to be the person that God calls you to be tomorrow and from this point forward. Be gracious on yourself, but also understand that we have the chance to step into the future that we believe God's called us to, regardless of the past regret that we hold. The Apostle Paul writes to a church in Corinth and it's a passage where he talks about a thorn in his flesh. Now, it's just, coincidence today that this is a passage I want to read to because I don't want to talk about children as being anything like a thorn in your flesh even though right now it might feel like some days they are but this is not a descriptor of your kids it's actually Paul writes about a weakness that he carried in his flesh and how he responded to that and how he lent into the grace of God to give him a fresh perspective of that and as I was reading it I just felt like this could be a prayer for some 
dads in this room today. So let me read it over you. Let me pray it over you. But he said to me, Paul writes, that my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Maybe right now you just feel like that's a great word when you think about how you've taken on this title of dad. But Paul writes, my grace is sufficient for you. His grace, God's grace is sufficient for you. For his power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insult, in hardship, in persecution and in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. It's what Paul writes about a weakness that he carried in his flesh as he started to lament some of the things that just didn't line up for him, some of the things that precluded him from being the person that he wanted to be and ministering in the way that he wanted. And suddenly he got a whole fresh perspective on who he was through the grace of God. And that is in our weakness, God can be our sufficiency and our strength. And so my prayer for those of us that feel like There's some past regret is this, that God's grace would be sufficient for you and that His power would be made perfect in your weakness. Don't let past regret rob you of future fruitfulness. Let me get the band up to join me. Finally, in a DIY world, don't do it yourself, do it with others. Secondly, don't do it yourself, do it with grace. Thirdly, do it with God. God's help, God's example, and God's wisdom. Go, you can do this later, but if you go and Google biblical encouragement for parenting or biblical encouragement for fathers, you'll be surprised at how few verses come up that actually speak to that role. You'll get one that pops up from Proverbs that says, train a child in the way they should go and they will never depart from that. Some of us have beat ourselves off about that. You'll get a... A couple from the New Testament, one that speaks about, you know, fathers don't exasperate your kids. In other words, don't provoke them to anger. And then you get a whole bunch of random passages that actually speak a little bit to, you know, children should delight in their parents and we should be the crown of, you know, like there's all these things about honouring parents. But in terms of the role the other way, there's not lots of scriptures that just speak directly to parenting. But there's a lot of wisdom that teaches us how we should do any relationship. You know, God's Word is the map that we have for flourishing. So actually the wisdom in that is actually talks to us about who God has created us to be and in whose image we were formed. The the laws of the Old Testament, the intent of the New Testament, all the stuff that speaks about how we should live and how we should treat others and how we should show grace and how we should grow in the fruit of the Spirit and kindness and gentleness and joy and faithfulness and love. They're a roadmap to help us as people to flourish in the way that God intended for us to flourish. And as we continue to grow in the things of God, He will help us grow in the areas of responsibility that He's given us. And this is where this message comes to a conclusion for all of us, no matter where we find ourselves in life. For those of us here that are dads on this Father's Day, as you set an example by leaning into the things of God, your life will be transformed and that will have a flow on effect to those around you.
no matter who we are, that same principle is true. That as we apply ourselves to the things of God, our kids won't just listen to what we say, but they'll observe the transformation in our life. As we become kinder and we treat people that are different with great kindness and grace and compassion, that will rub off on the next generation that watches how we do that. As we become less angry and start to deal with you know, challenging situations, not with anger or with violence or with revenge, but with grace, compassion, forgiveness, those around us will actually observe that and it'll be an example to them about what a life that is flourishing actually looks like. You know, that first day for those of you that have walked this journey that you held a child in your arms, you felt completely ill-equipped to do that well because you might have read all the books today, you might have watched all the YouTube videos and TikTok updates, but nothing can prepare you for the responsibility of shaping a human life. But the one that created you, the one that the Bible says knitted you together in your mother's womb, knows you more intimately than you even know yourself and can actually set you up to do life the way that life was always intended and the way that you were always created to be. Let His Word, let His life, let His wisdom, let His truth, let His example shape you. Want to be a good father, want to be a good mother, want to be a good parent, want to be a good friend, want to be a good grandparent, aunt, uncle. Let God shape you. And as you flourish in life with Him, your example will continue to rub off and transform the next generation. You know, every one of us has the opportunity in that that we can control to build a godly legacy into the next generation. Some of us here today, the, the challenge is this. It's time to stop living through the narrative of our past and start making a decision today about what the narrative of our future has been. Maybe you're a parent here and you haven't been a great example. Maybe you're a parent here that, that has a Christian faith, but you've never been a good example to the next generation about how that should play out in your life and your commitment and your priorities. Well, don't let past regret hinder future fruitfulness. Decide today to realign some priorities and make a change that might today just be the transformative thing in the lives of your kids and your grandkids and the generations that are to come. We live in a do-it-yourself culture. God invites us not to do it ourselves, but to surround ourselves with others that do the journey with us. To surround ourselves with His grace that allows us to step into a brand new future despite past failure and regret and to do it with His guidance, His wisdom and His example. He is the one that created us and knows how we work best and how we flourish as we learn to flourish. We too will invest the best of ourselves as a legacy in the next generation. Yeah, how I'd really like to finish today and it's a bit of a different way to finish, but it's a Father's Day service and so I'm unapologetically picking on the dads for a bit today. I just want to pray that 2 Corinthians prayer over a whole bunch of us. Maybe there's just something you've grabbed onto today and you thought, oh man, it's just, if I could change one thing, I'd, I'd change this. Well, I want to pray that God 
will give you the courage tomorrow to make the changes you need to. See, it's one thing for something to change in our heart. It's another thing for it to change in our diary and our actions. And the challenge of today might not be just a moment to resolve in your spirit. It might be a moment to resolve in your diary or in your wallet or in something that's going to transform what tomorrow looks like. But as we do this, all of us stepping into it completely ill-equipped for the job that we feel like we've been given, do it carrying God's grace. So I want to pray a prayer over the dads today that we would know the sufficiency of Jesus Christ that is present in all of our stories and in our role as dads. If you're a dad here today and you're happy for me to pray that prayer over you, can I just ask you to do something that I don't want to make you feel uncomfortable. Would you mind standing so we can just pray God's grace over you as you continue to do the journey of all that God has called you to do as a dad to your kids, as a grandparent to your kids, whether they're a baby, a toddler, they're all grown up. What you do is important. And you're building a, a legacy. What kind of legacy is it that you're going to build? Don't let any future failure stop you, uh, past failure stop you from future fruitfulness. Hey, let me pray. Lord Jesus, we stand in this moment. We stand with all these dads that are present here today that just recognise the importance of what you've called them to do. And I just want to pray that they would just know that they are blessed. They know that your eye is upon them. Father, give them every resource under heaven to be the men that you've called them to be, to shape that next generation. Father, for those here today that Father's Day just carries pain because there's fractured family or there's kids that aren't as close as they used to be. Or Lord, there's just great regret that sits over their life. God, I want to pray that they would just have a brand new understanding of what your grace looks like in their life. God, that for every single one of us, you don't hold the past against us, but you give us the chance at a brand new future. Lord, I pray that we would just find a way to apply that, Lord, to what it means to be a dad, that any past regret that we hold would actually be an opportunity for future fruitfulness. So God, I want to pray for your courage to rest on these men. That the challenge of their heart today might transform into their diaries and to their time, into their priorities, into the way they talk to their kids. But Father, we do pray the words of the Apostle Paul, that your grace would be sufficient, that your power would be made perfect in weakness so that we could boast all the more gladly about our weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on us and that for Christ's sake we might delight in our weakness in our insult in the hardships that we face in the persecution that comes against us in the difficulties that we carry because in our weakness we find strength for when I am weak then I am strong God I want to pray that your power might, might be made perfect that your strength might be made perfect in our weakness and that your grace might be at the forefront all of our stories. We pray this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. We hope you've been blessed by this message. We are a growing family and we would love to see you at one of our Sunday services because everyone who comes through our doors is welcome. You can find out more about our community and locations at gatewaybaptist.com.au. 